What's up, what's up, what's up out there in podcast land? It's your host of EAC Speaks, Eddie Wiley, and I'm so excited to be bringing you this episode because I have another special guest, another native Arkansan that you're going to absolutely love. Everybody in podcast land, give it up for Carlisha. Clap, 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 clap. Hey, Carlisha. Yay, 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 yay. Hey, podcasters. Yes, we're so excited to have you on here. I want you to start off with telling people a little bit about yourself. You know, tell them the jazz, where you're from, all those things. I am Carlisha Murray. Um, I'm native of Alzheimer, Arkansas. Um, born and raised. I um, work in the field of HIV in the capacity of um, Ryan White. Currently, I am doing HAPWA um, and a, a, a lot of other different things. Um, I've been doing this for about 15 years now. So it's something that I you know, thoroughly enjoy in working with the community. So I am a community person and you know, I love my people and helping out. So. I just kind of been doing it for a while now. Yeah. So, um, Hopwa is considering of what? Like, what is the basis of like Hopwa? Hopwa is housing opportunities for persons with AIDS or HIV. So, we provide um, housing assistance um, on a financial basis um, to those individuals and their families who are infected with HIV. Uh, we develop um, housing plans with those individuals to keep them on track. We have three different components of HOPWA. We have the permanent housing placement, where we assist with deposits and first month's rent. Um, deposits can be from, you know, the electricity deposits, things to get you connected in order to move into the place. We also have STROMU, short-term rental mortgage and utility assistance. Um, it does just that. Um, it can be up to... 20 weeks or if you just come in and you have an emergency and you need to use all your funding at one time we will allow you to do that as well and then we have the tebra tenant-based rental assistance program so we provide a subsidy of the rental payment based upon income for clients the thing with hopwood is you have to be able to get approved um, for your own place based upon your credit rental history and income and then we'll just step in as a source of financial support to assist you the program is up to three years um and we'll just help you to transition into stability that's awesome because we know housing is such a barrier for a lot of people and we want to reduce like the amounts of people who are unhoused so super excited for all of that work that's been going on. Now, um, we know that you love the community. We know that you love the work that you do and working at HIV. Tell me a little bit about how you got into the work. I applied for um, the Ryan White. At this time, I was staying in Pine Bluff, um, and I applied for the Ryan White program at Jefferson Comprehensive Care. And I... Um, interview for the position and they hired someone else and about I want to say 30 to 60 days she had um, called me back and you know asked me to come on board it you know something had transpired and that didn't work out so it was a it ended up being a blessing for me um, completely 
opposite from what my degree is, um, my mass communications and public relations uh, was my undergraduate degree. And so I'm just like, oh, okay, you know, I've seen this and it was interested. I applied for it. Of course, received all the training that was, was needed. I started off working Ron White Part D, where we provided service to the wiki populations, women, infants, children, and youth. Um, basically following them through their care. I was assigned to Arkansas Children's Hospital and I followed those um, children there that was in the catchment area of that Jefferson Comprehensive Care Service. Um, went on to do support groups for them. Then I went on to do, you know, facilitation and conferences. We, you know, used to host um, the regional conference here in Arkansas for Ryan White. So from that foundation um, at Jefferson Com Comprehensive Care under the leadership of Dr. Angela Smith and Michelle Smith, that's where my love for this community and um, this population grew. So I kind of been going ever since. Oh, wow. In 15 years, you've been in the game. And so now you, you talked about like facilitating things. And I recently saw that you posted about a lunch and learn recently. So tell me a little bit about the lunch and learn. I love my lunch and learns. I love my, um, you know, just having those support groups and those platforms. As I say, let's talk about it. Um, at the lunch and learn, I was um, surrounded by my coworkers, peers, um, and other community partners um, that came to support the event. We talked about creating a stigma-free environment. I am very close to many of the clients that I serve, and recently they participated in a leadership um, course over with your organization, Engage in Arkansas, with Keandre and Danny. And so from that, they had to do teachbacks to their peers. And they all said, you know, Miss Carlisha, can you create a platform for us and invite other peers as well as community partners in so that we can teach to them what we learn in efforts to, you know, comply with our requirements for this leadership course. And of course I did. I was having a lunch and learning. It was already planned. So I kind of inserted them in. And so my job was there was to set the atmosphere of how we view stigma associated with HIV. And so some of my counterparts and coworkers are, you know, not really familiar, you know, having never you know, set in on a session or learn anything in pertaining to HIV as it relates to stigma. So, you know, I use myself for instance, you know, y'all see me come pull up and, you know, bumping my music and, you know, y'all judging me based on what y'all perceive. You know, rap is my thing. You know, sometimes that might be what I need to boost me up to come in here so I can fool with y'all. Right. So based upon that, I have to be labeled as, oh, she real ratchet. You see Carlisha with her Bugetto self out there bumping um their loud <laughs> round music on the parking lot. So it was a lot of commentation came from that. When I told them what my fun facts was, they judged me based upon 
what they perceived in their view. So they didn't know what that did for me or, you know, how that made me feel or, you know, why did I experience those things? So the clients came in and they talked about, you know, that some of them had been living with as long as 32 years and talked about the stigma that they faced from the church, you know, family members, you know, even their doctor's office. So I allowed that platform to be about them that day, as well as informing those that have not set in on HIV, lunch and learns or education so that they could be informed and give them a different perspective to how they view people. I love that. And that's absolutely what um, engaging arts and communities is all about. And you're literally doing the name of our organization. You're engaging the communities that are impacted, that are living, that are um, around people who are living with HIV. And so by having those lived experiences, I think it adds another layer to how we can continue to tackle stigma because being in such a largely rural state, sometimes it's hard to really get outside of um, folks who may have a closed mind or who may be back in the early eighties of a mindset. So what are some of the things that you also do to tackle stigma? I like to do just like that, create those platforms. So then, you know, sometimes it just depends on how, vicious I guess the thing is is that I'm seeing or how unlearned the person may sound to I may you know say hey you know you should you know educate yourself for making those type of comments or you know how who taught you that what did you learn that at? and other times I just like to have those type of things invite them in because you know sometimes I get labeled as um you so emotional <laughs> you know you so passionate <laughs> you know your passion makes you appear as an angry black woman so I get all of that you know when I'm out here advocating for my people but I also you know allow those platforms to take place and then invite those people in so they can hear it firsthand i'm just an ally advocate you know you're hearing it from a person that's actually living with this is how you're making them feel mm -hmm. yes and uh, also speaking of like that um outward appearance like how you said folks have these perceptions of like when you pull up with your rap music or when you're being passionate so now you bougetto, now you're angry like woman. <laughs> what do you do to like really keep yourself motivated when folks come in and talk about these things that you love? So I always say when I have to go lay on somebody's couch. Okay. I have to, you know, have my meditation. You know, I have to have my private sessions and I have to have my come to Jesus moments. You know, and sometimes it has to, it could just be me. And you know. And I might have to talk it out amongst myself, talk therapy, journaling, you know, because I it's, you are always going to be on, under attack. And I'm going, you know, if it come about, you know, my people and helping the community and I know that there's a need, yeah, I'm going to go toe to toe. I'm going to go back and forth. We can do that. But at the same time, I know what I believe in. And, you know, if you know what you know, you're supposed to stand on it. All right, there we go. So one thing that we know that you know is community mobilization. So tell us, what does community mobilization mean to you? Just getting out there in the community. You know, I tell people a lot that um, my mentor, that, you know, when I first started off, I just, I just got, took what they gave me.
you know, I was the new kid on the block among so many older people that was in the game who that actually motivated me, inspired me, and I, you know, impacted my career today. But sometimes I want I want wrote in on that grant, but I still showed up. Mm-hmm. How can I help? What y'all need me to do? Y'all want me to flip the hot dogs over? Y'all want me to pass them out? You want me to, <laughs> you know, pass at the t-shirt? How can I help? So with making myself available, you know, and it wasn't even about getting paid, even though, you know, the coins would be cute. But mm-hmm. it was about what my passion was, helping in the community, you know, making them know that you do have a safe space to come in and talk if you need to talk. Come over here and get tested. You know, we got condoms over here. You know, you can't be afraid to come to get these services that's there for you. Just linking people to the community and meeting them where they are. Yeah, that's making a safe space and stigma-free environment, as you mentioned earlier. So why? what is the importance of meeting people where they are? Because everybody comes from different backgrounds and walks of life. And it's something that I had to learn. I had uh, gone into a space with some people that, you know, was funders. So, of course, you know, when you're a funder, you might not necessarily, you know, be exposed to the boots on the ground type of world. And you might not know what goes on, as we say, in the field. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just had I had some people that was exposed and came on, oh, you want to be spectators? And it was like, oh, my God, they was grabbing their parents because people were just talking. And I wasn't alarmed by what they were saying. Oh, you know how they just saying how they feel. Oh, I need this. And they was just, it's graphic to them because they don't have that dialogue or they have never had to, you know, communicate with a person living with. And they just telling their story from, from their perspective. They using their words, their everyday words. So just me listening, you know, face, no facial expressions, no judging signs. You know, it's out it's making a rapport. And mm-hmm. it's easy for them to share with me, you know, what they're going through in efforts for me to help them to complete whatever goal they they're trying to accomplish or get whatever services that they're needing. So it's a lot of barriers that people put against them in the community because you can't, you know, like this part. And they probably didn't mean no harm, but it was they're not going to talk to you because they already see you judging them by how your face look. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just being open minded, you know, just listening, getting on their level. We know we all smart and we know these words and we know how to be. You know, half a balloon and dignified. But sometimes you got to take your jacket, your white coat off. Sometimes you got to leave your, your briefcase at home and your your Harvard degrees and just talk to them. We know how we know what adaptation means. We can go from hood to bougie. So just you know, meeting them where they are and, and talking to them about what is needed in their community and, and how you can help. I always start by saying, How can I help? Yes. So that is a um, another way to like look at how you're helping people. And like you said, you're really making a difference in folks' lives by not being judgmental or actually saying your own like uh, people who can be preachy. I remember I used to be that way. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I've just been this perfect advocate all the time. But I I remember those days of saying that didn't feel good when somebody preached to me. Mm 
So by speaking these things to folks and talking nice to people, I think that's a a good way that we can help end the epidemic in Arkansas. So what are some other things that you think we could do to like help end the HIV epidemic? We need to be informed, you know, have more partnerships. I know it's a, it's a whole bunch of us out here um, doing the good work. Um, Just being, you know, more in tune with each other, you know, going to those continuing educations, going to those conferences, you know, meeting with those um, pharmaceutical reps, informing the clients, bringing them in, you know, what they feel, what they care should look like. Sometimes we get caught up to, you know, we know so much and not even thinking about including them in the care plan. You got to, you got to bring them on board as well. So just kind of bridging those gaps between, you know, clinical, medical, community, and we are working collectively. That is wonderful because working in partnerships is another way to, like you said, keep everybody who's in their lane because everybody's good at something. So people may work in faith-based communities. Some people may work in clinical. Some people may be a funder. But creating those lanes and building bridges are, um, is a way that we can actually show the rest of the country. Because people look at Arkansas and we have a bad rap. We know we have a bad rap. <laughs> but yeah. I think we can actually work to end the HIV epidemic because we have people like you and all of the other amazing folks in Arkansas doing the work. So for one, thank you. <laughs> and two... Talk to me about, um, you mentioned getting involved and going to conferences. Like, what are some of your experiences with conferences? Listen, I have a new (laughs) found experience. We recently came from the NMAC Biomedical. Mm -hmm. It was different. Um, I should have known that it would be different when I had to put my age and stuff in. seen the whips in the chain <laughs> when I went to register, but I just didn't I just didn't internalize that as being what it would be. Um just a wonderful, you know, experience. It was indeed different. It helped me to look at different perspectives and learn so many, you know, new terminologies and help you to think about words when they how it may be offensive to, you know, someone living with and just being expressive about sex and stop looking at it as something nasty or a taboo or, you know, can't be comfortable with having sex because you think it's going to be risky because these are some of the terms, risky sex behavior, you know, um, persons living with HIV. It's just different, you know, terminologies that we say every day and we don't know that it could be offensive to somebody and it may not be offensive to people. So just being knowledgeable of what you do and all of these conferences are good. In MAC, um, I always have a different array of conference. I also participate in a lot of um, community, you know, conferences like with community mobilization, um, prep conferences, you know, HIV updates and educations. Um, here we have um, AETC. They have a lot of different conferences for individuals on a clinical setting, um, just helping the medical side that may not be aware, like your 330 or private care physicians to be more knowledgeable about people living with HIV and their treatment. 
I also seen a lot about um, with youth and engaging, you know, with the with community, our community rural youth. I do a lot of work too with the rural area because I'm a rural baby. So I try to go and give back to my community um, through that. And of course, you know, when you're constantly giving, you have to take in too. So it's good to always get that continuing education in. It's always something that have updated. Oh, we thought it was this, but now it's this. So it's always good to be involved. If you can apply for those scholarships, because I know it can get expensive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But it's a good thing to be a part of. Yeah, and in our pre-production call, we talked a little bit about things like fellowships and how you um, had taken a part of it. Why do you think it's important for folks um, who are living with HIV and folks who are um, allies or people who work in the field, why do you think it's important for them to get involved with things like that? It's good to, like like we just said, it's so ever-changing. Um, I participated in a fellowship with the Black Ace Institute in 2015. Uh, it was a wonderful experience. I met so many people from all around um, the United States who is now long-term friends and you know family. We call, call on each other for different things in the field, meet each other at conferences and all of that. It was just more of a biomedical type thing where we learned um, a lot about HIV infections, you know, the life cycle. We were instructed by um, the University of California, Los Angeles, and we were actually in their medical department to where they did their, their trial. So they do a lot of that. So when we were there, they had um, Henrietta Lacks, her cells was present, and we also did a lot of research on Easy e and his story and how his demise from um, HIV AIDS. So I think it's important to be in tune with things like that. We learn so much, even with looking at Henrietta Lex cells, you know, how they used it and had used that for years to make medication. And it was just amazing to be a part of it. And, you know, we got a lot of bad rep for clinical trials because of how you know, black people were using different um, experiments, such as the Tuskegee experiment and all of that. But just read through the paperwork. You know, sometimes they're beneficial. I have a lot of clients who, you know, reach out to me and say they participated in stuff. And sometimes it comes with incentives as well. So just read through it, you know, see if that worked for you. Not all of them are bad. You know, sometimes it helps and it helps to advance the medication and help with treatment as well. Absolutely. And speaking of that, May 18th is HIV Vaccine Awareness Day. So that's a chance for folks to um, do more research on things like the HIV vaccine. And like you said, get involved with some of the trials. And it's not just for that day. Um, You should do your research (laughs) every day, actually. So, yeah, things are constantly changing. We are constantly moving into like a more people first kind of language. And earlier you mentioned um, partnership. And so I think a part of that partnership is how we treat folks and how people are getting involved in their care. So it sounds to me like a holistic approach to HIV treatment. Why do you think it's important for us to treat the whole person when it comes to HIV? 
it, it, the whole person has to be treated and every component has to be met or addressed in order for, you know, the clients to retain and care. I see that here and I, <laughs> I have to explain to them, you know, it's certain things that, you know, Hopla can provide. However, comma, I can link, link you, you know, to where you need to be linked. They come here, you know, for treatment. They'll start off with medical. Oh, I've been approved for Ron White. They first, when they come, some of them, when they come in, they don't have a clear understanding of their services. They don't know the difference in Ron White. They don't know the difference in Hopper, uh, ADAP, and uh, on none of these services. So I have to sometimes explain it to them when, you know, when they went to enroll into the different programs, they should have, you know, never left without a full comprehension of the services that they, you know, qualify for. So I then try to help them link them to different, you know, transportation. Some of them need food. Some of them need mental health, substance abuse, things of that nature. So we just try to help in any kind of capacity. If they are a Tebra client through their, home plan, housing plan. We try to track, you know, the things that they, they services they're needing, social services that they're needing. You know, if they're needing any kind of medical medication that they're not, or assistance with their medication, or sometimes need to be in substance abuse and things like mental health. So we'll just try to keep track of them and refer out. So that's why it's very important to know your community, you know, your community partners and who provide services. So that way we can make those proper referrals to get all these, the, the, the clients linked into care. Yes. And you talked about substance using. And so um, you're involved with one of the centers in Arkansas, right? Yes, I um, have partnership with Boards of Serenity, and they um, have partnership with AMDPA, and we go into the substance abuse centers um, once a month and providing education and testing. Um, sometimes we switch them up, somebody tests, and the other may educate. So I find that going into there, there are people that's living with HIV, some of them knowingly, um, and some of them, you know, when we test them, they are receive their reactive test result. So I was able to link people to services. You know, sometimes when they already know that they're positive, they'll say, hey, you know, I'm positive. I'm just coming in so that I won't be outed or just mm -hmm. to participate. But I do need this. So I uh, spoke with Miss Sybil, who is the director there at Wars of Serenity, and I said, Miss Sybil, I'm finding that the, we're we're seeing more numbers of people that's infected in these substance abuse centers. So we need to develop some type of guide. We need to develop some type of resource guide because when they are about to get released, they need to be able to transition, you know, into life as normally as possible. So I have been able to provide. Um, assistance to a few clients there at the substance abuse through HOPWA with helping them get into a place, you know, and getting started and even linking them to job services so that they'll be able to be independent. I love that. And Miss Sybil, I feel like Miss Sybil worked at Jefferson Comp, maybe. She did. She did. She we gave me my first start. <laughs> yeah, it's SAMHSA, through the SAMHSA program, because I know we partnership a lot with the landers. So we had the big mobile unit and we were out, you know, in the community. So, yeah, there's probably Miss Sybil, you know, too. 
Absolutely. She gave me my first start while I was at Philander. So, yeah, shout out to Miss Sybil. Miss Sybil. So, let's talk about like the rural communities that you do visit. So, where are some of the places that you travel with the Rural Community Alliance? So, we had this program in which we trained students through the Morehouse College of Public Health. So, they had an online platform. And we were um, training them to be community health care workers. So it teaches them about community mobilization. They learn how to do different um, health screenings. So we partnered with different community entities. We went to so many different communities. We did um, Jefferson County, um, of course, my community in Alzheimer, Arkansas. We've been all the way down to Dermont. McGee, all down up in there. We came up and we went to Brinkley, Fort City. So we just been dibbling down all over in our rural communities, um, doing health education. Uh, we try to, you know, participate in all the awareness days to go in and pro provide screenings. We went to Arkansas County as well. We had a few events in Stuttgart. Um, it's just been so phenomenal. We're going out with these um, group of young people all the way from 19th grade to freshman, sophomores in college. So it's kind of been like a leadership on both ends. I get to train and pour things into the younger adults, and then they try and pour into the adolescents so it's just like a given type of thing and i'm we teach them about you know going in the community uh with health disparities because a lot of them are, are interested in health care and that some of them are already in nursing school and this is their passion they want to work in rural arkansas so just going into the community you know developing their interpersonal skills you know you have them that may not know how to speak in front of people just greet people you know just have that warm stigma-free environment when you're going to the medical field. When I go to the doctor, I want to feel somebody that's warm and engaging, that's glad to see me there, you know, and want to help me whatever that I need help with. Nobody want to meet somebody, you know, with the resting bitch face and they upset and they don't want to service you. So just teaching those, you know, things to the, and instilling them in when you go in the community, you know, you're, you're there to help. You have to have a heart of a servant. You're there to serve. So they have been very rewarding to them. It was about 25 to 30 of them. Oh, wow. And so we did, we started off doing three to four events, you know, per month. And we were just in there. And of course, you know, it was an incentive for them because they all received stipends for yeah. every event that they participated in. But it was very rewarding. And Rural Community Alliance do a lot of things in the community as it relates to education and you know providing resources into the community so they can give back so shout out to rural community alliance as well that's great because there are so many um health issues in rural communities and i love that you're engaging the youth and young adults in keeping um like how we were trained by the older adults in the field. So that's exactly what you're doing, like full circle moment. <laughs> right, right, right. So um, earlier we also talked about like faith-based communities. So what are some of the things you're doing in the faith-based world? Because we know that's an important community to work in as well. Faith-based, um, that's my community. I was born and raised in the church. 
um, I'd have been church down and backslid and all <laughs> <laughs> youth engaged, a choir director, all of this. So, um, growing up, my uncle uh, was the pastor, and we had to go to all three services: Sunday school service, church service, after church service, Bible study, ten revival, get ate up by the mosquitoes. Out <laughs> So I am church, okay? So <laughs> foundation, you know, within your heart is something that you can never, um, nobody can ever take away from you. So just growing up and hearing, you know, from the Baptist perspective, all of those things, even with my granny now, I go back and forth with her just to entertain her because I know she very adamant about mm -hmm. what she believe in. So I just call her sometimes like, granny, I'm, I done quit church and I ain't going back no more. I think I'm going to be a Buddha or something, you know, just to <laughs> <laughs> get her stirred up, you know, keep her brain going. But it's always important to be open-minded from different views and perspectives. So I think working with the face-based initiative, that's what it gives, just a platform to hear different perspectives of faith and as it relates to HIV and health. So that has been very, very rewarding as well. Um, I've been on the team with people from different religious perspectives and spirituality. So I get a chance to learn, you know, and be inspired by, you know, their belief system. Yes. And it, it, that makes so much sense because a lot of times I hear folks talk about faith-based communities and they jump straight into like, Christianity, and I'm like, I'm like don't forget, it's other, <laughs> but that's because they they just they trying to impose their beliefs on yeah. other people, and that's why I never do. You know, I can sit down and listen to atheists. Um, I have a good friend that's a Buddhist, and I always say, can you tell me what uh, Tina Turner was saying? Because I need that <laughs> right now, like right now. <laughs> so girl. I'm able to be versatile and it's okay you know you we know we adding about what we believe in mm -hmm. we was gonna go to bed for that we ready to get out in the water about what we believe in in our christianity and i think that that's where we go wrong um and that's why a lot of stigma is associated with the church and there's so many barriers up in regards to faith in hiv uh, because people are imposing, you know, their belief system on others. And they think theirs is supreme over somebody else's. And God might not love you and this and that, but, you know, we'll let him separate the right from the wrong. So we just here to provide the services. Okay, because that's where a lot of the church hurt come from. And child, I can go on and on and on. That's a whole yeah. other episode we'll have to have yeah. about church hurt, Okay. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. I can identify. I know, you know, maybe not in the same perspective that you may know it in, but you know, they're very opinionated. Mm. And before they think, they they don't think, they just say. And so, but you know, I'm this type of person. If you two or uh, 82, if you're saying something that's out of order as it regards to imposing your beliefs and feelings on and that's okay because you think that your religion say that their actions and behavior is wrong. You have to be worried about you, you know, and you can't just say different things to people because of you you adamant about what you believe. Right. And sometimes be loud and wrong, honey. Loud they always loud. loud and wrong, especially the elderly. <laughs> they always loud and wrong. Yeah. So we're coming up almost on the midpoint of the year. We're almost there, halfway through. What are some of your goals for like the rest of the year? 
I have been so overwhelmed with work. I was just thinking about that. I was like, dang, I just always be having something to do. So I'm at the point where I have to say, let me check. I got to look at my calendar to make sure I'm available. Right now, I got like 500 and some text messages on my phone. I don't know how I'm going to read out of this. Ooh, wee. Lord, with my now, I'm wrong. It's 808. So I did. <laughs> I done got some more added. But it's just trying to find that healthy balance. It's so hard. And then, of course, we're having children and a family as well. So just try to find that healthy balance and just more time because it, it becomes overwhelming. Mm-hmm. in this field especially you know everybody needs you they need mm-hmm. you right now at this moment not another second i need you to come and help me so mm-hmm. it, it it becomes tedious but i try not to get weary in my well doing mm-hmm. um and just try to find that healthy balance so i'm i'm gonna plan some you know little trips and you know catch up on my self-care and my sleep but i just want to continue to do the work, you know, more partnerships, um, more going out there in the community and just linking people to services and meeting them where they are. Okay. So um, you you did mention like how it can be overwhelming. So self-care is a good thing, like you said, doing that balance, work-life balance. What do you suggest for folks out there that will prevent things like advocate fatigue or burnout? Just take some time, step away from it to rejuvenate. I have clients calling all the time and saying, I'm done. You know, I done did this for this amount of years. I'm tired because they feel like the community don't receive them anymore. And sometimes it could just be a lot in your head because maybe people don't respond in the manner that you feel like they should respond in. Or, you know, you wanted this person to support and they might not have been available. So just like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a true advocate for going and laying on the couch now. Go and get your therapist appointment and lay down and and talk about it you know do the talk talk therapy you know get you a meditation life in tune with something a spirituality greater than yourself you know sometimes you just have to woo sigh and start over i have to reset all the time because your spirit should be renewed daily so you have to find something drink some water i know we don't don't (laughs) drink a lot of water down here in the south (laughs) drink a little water and rest your nerves and 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 just find you a healthy balance you have to find it you know sometimes in our community we are opposed to therapy and people think we're crazy no because i'm gonna get my therapy and i'm gonna take my medication whatever form of medication it is i'm gonna take it um because i need that for me so that I can be the best version of myself and show up authentically. Yes, we're going to definitely take care of ourselves holistically, okay? <laughs> the whole self. <laughs> we need that. So what does self-care look like for you? What are some of the things that you do for self-care? Um, I am... A person to like I just like a deep thinker so I might want to just sit outside or you know listen to the to the birds or you know give me a little cocktail things like that I like to travel riding in the car this that's my self-care listen to my trap music you know go to brunch 
So those are the type of things. Go to a spa day that I do for self-care. But I'm going to do my therapy as well. This is the top of the list. And as I said, everything else can fall in place. Because we have to think about it's the mind, you know. That's a that's a different things when your your thoughts are overwhelming and you can't keep up with them. So that affects you holistically. So I always try to keep my mental in check. Mm-hmm. I remember somebody telling me that it's just another muscle that you have to work out. Yeah. And I'm always like, oh, that's a good way to frame it because it can get a cramp. You know what that cramp feel like, you know, and just think about your mind cramping up. You just, you feel like you have a thousand, I hear it all the time. I got a thousand thoughts in my head. Okay. You just got to sit down. It's going to be okay. Okay. It's going to be all right. It's going to take a chill pill, honey. Rest your nerves. (laughs) (laughs) That's very important. So we're coming up on the end of the show, but I really want to know. We we have a lot of um a lot of other questions that I could definitely go into like a part two about. But I love brunch as well. But what are some of your other passions outside of HIV? I think this has been become my life. Oh, and I have um a, a segment that I do too. I don't think we talk about tea talk. Hmm. So I have a segment that I do called Tea Talk with Carla. It's just a platform um, where I invite people in to be expressive. We talk about, you know, sex. We talk about relationships. Um, we talk about spirituality. Um, just different things that that's relevant in our life at that time. So I like to talk, you know, I like to get around and talk and, you know, engage people in their conversations. And sometimes um, you might be the only outlet, you know, and I don't force people to turn their camera on because I use it on a Zoom platform. But we have people, you know, just want to look at the other people that's present there and want to share their different stories uh, about whatever we're talking about. So I enjoy, I guess that's the therapeutic side of me as well because I do have a, psychology degree so i enjoy um providing this space um for people to engage and share their stories and be free the safe space um and be expressive Uh, i do cook i cook a lot i have a lot of guests they always want me to come and fry them chicken and stuff they think i'm their big mama Um, actually, when you called, there was one of my coworkers calling about making her, I made her some smothered potatoes and she had to go on and on about how good they was. You know, people <laughs> love people to feed them. Yes. <laughs> so I do have a lot of guests in my home, um, uh, where I have to feed and entertain them. So I guess that's another one of the things I do outside of. Um, HIV, but yeah, that's about all. I don't really do a lot. Everything would be centered around community. Yes. You sound like the hostess with the mostest. I love it. Look, so. it becomes a mess sometimes. I'm like, okay, y'all can go home now at any time. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime, baby. <laughs> so, where can people find those things? Where can people find TikTok with Carla? Where can they find you? How can they get in contact with you? I am um, on Facebook, Carlisha Kai, K-A-I. Um, of course, I'm on Instagram as well, the same name. I um, just be around in the community. You will see me somewhere. Come over here to the Pulaski County uh, Central Health Unit. I'll be here flopping somewhere at a, a community health care event. 
Okay, we it ain't gonna be hard to find you because you be in the community. <laughs> Y'all yeah, be now. seeing me everywhere. What you doing over there with them people? <laughs> I just be with everybody, just in the mix. That is awesome because people. It seems like folks just adore you, and I have now found a new adoration for you as well. Okay, <laughs> I love my people now. They love me. They love me. That's cool. So we're at the end of the show. What are some of your remarks that you would like to give the folks? We won't say last words because you will be back. So what are some of the closing remarks you'd like to give? Thank you for allowing me this platform to share about my work and the things that I do here in Arkansas and in the community. Thank you for um, the community for always supporting my clients, co-workers, family, for always supporting my efforts and partnership with different entities and i just thank everybody you know for the work that they're doing within the field so that we can you know bring hiv to an end it becomes very tedious at times y'all but we have to continue to do the do the good work absolutely let's continue to do the good work and thank you a million times carlisha for coming on the show and everybody else out there, if you would like to be a guest on the show to talk about the work that you're doing, to talk about anything, pop culture, whatever, <laughs> join me. Um, you can email us at info at engagingarkansas.org. You can also find us at engagingarkansas.org. And thank you for tuning in to EAC Speaks. Say ciao, Carlisha. Ciao, y'all. See you next time. The EAC Speaks podcast is partially supported by the Arkansas Department of Health through a grant funded in part by the CDC. All discussion is solely the responsibility of each participant and doesn't necessarily represent the official views of engaging Arkansas communities, the Arkansas Department of Health, CDC, or the U.S. government.